0: Alright, the Sage. Is it the Sage 504 or the Sage? I have no idea. Leave a note.
1: Okay, no more plugs for your Twitter handle. Let's go!
0: Let's go. Come on everybody. And let's get to because
1: the Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the Holy Backboard Podcast. Matt is on vacation, being a grown-up. Me and Sage are going to hold things down for you. We're coming to you directly after the Trailblazers' 118-101 victory over the defending champion Golden State Warriors. It is preseason, so a little bit of an asterisk there, but team looked good.
0: Very good. But there was a game before, so we got to talk about that as well, the Kings-Blazers game. And Which you didn't... were actually there.
1: so I was there. Uh, things looked great through the first half, even through three quarters. Then Stotts really started playing the third stringers, the training camp bodies, a.k.a. Omari Johnson, and the Kings were still going with their rotation. They had Darren Collison, Marco Bellinelli. The guy just was vintage Bellinelli. No matter who was on him, he was lights out, so you don't really feel too bad about that loss. We had them up almost 20 points in that game. We were taking them behind the woodshed. First preseason game, you don't want to expend too much energy. It is preseason. The NBA is a marathon, not a sprint, so you don't need to win every game. You don't need to be playing your players 30-plus minutes a night, and that's kind of what we saw tonight. Coach Stotts pregame said, we're not going to play the guys no more than 30 minutes, and he kind of stuck to that as we saw. Dame played 27 minutes, CJ played 28 minutes, and that was about it. It was really a team effort. The second unit just completely, completely killed it. Bonle was plus 19. Ed Davis this was plus 26, and the star of the show was Alan Crabb, who was a plus 42. Have you seen that before, Sage?
0: No, I've only seen like minus 42 when Eric Bledsoe was really bad on the clip. Plus 42 is pretty amazing. His confidence level is sky high right now, and I'm happy to see it. Like, even in the first game, I saw him do a few backdoor cuts that were absolutely Beautiful. I think Myers dished to him like in the first three plays of the game. He just had a beautiful baseline cut to the basket for an easy layup.
1: He's looking great showing why he was the Pac-12 player of the year and why Portland traded two second round picks to Cleveland to get him in the 2013 draft really starting to come of age and in a what have you done for me lately society and instant gratification that we have it's sometimes rookies like Lillard don't come along all the time and they're going to be dominant their rookie year you got to give these guys time as we've seen with Myers and now we're seeing with Allen it takes rhythm it takes confidence and it takes opportunity And that's what happened when they moved to Batum and when Darrell Wright left in free agency. It opened the door for a guy like Alan Crabb, who is now going into his third year with the organization to show what he's made of. He had a strong outing against the Kings, had 12 points on 5 of 8 shooting, and tonight was absolutely fantastic. 25 points on 9 of 12 shooting, including 5 of 6 from beyond the arc, and each one of those threes was pure. The
0: one thing that I noticed about both games is I wasn't sure what the Blazers were trying to do when defending pick and rolls. Because it seemed like Vonley was hedging on everything, and Myers and Mason were kind of staying back, making sure that they don't get blown by. So I wonder if that's going to be the thing. Vonley is going to aggressively hedge trying to get that double team, and Myers and Mason are just going to sit back, not let anything go past them. You
1: know, that's a great observation, and I kind of think that's what Stotts will roll with this season, play to each player's strength. We've seen in the past the Trailblazers switch every single pick and roll, haven't really trapped or tried to double the ball handler. I know on many of occasions I- I've yelled at the TV wondering why we're not trapping these you know, elite point guards. Mm-hmm. I would rather die by even Clay Thompson or Harrison Barnes shooting than Curry shooting even a contested shot because every time that guy throws something up, you're expecting it to go in. Mm. So make somebody else beat you, and that's kind of what we saw in the second half. Golden State got the lead down to four a couple times, but Portland, to Terry Stotts' credit, adapted their defense, and they held them off. It wasn't a regular season win, but for a team this young, I think Stotts knew that this win was important for their confidence, which is why he didn't just go to... Of pressy, Frazier, Montero came in, line up in the fourth, and just let them run rampant to see what he has. This team really needed this win.
0: I was really nervous that first game, looking at Myers Leonard. This man cannot play this hard for 82 games, because he will break down. I saw him on the floor more than any other player, in the Kings game especially. <laughs> getting elbowed by Cousins, getting tripped by Cousins. I counted four shots where Cousins just got into his landing path. That stuff can get ugly, and I saw him on the floor a lot.
1: That's scary because we saw Myers go down twice. I've seen Dame roll his ankle twice in preseason. We're seeing all these guys get on the floor, which you love. But again, it is preseason, so you definitely want to save a little bit for the show. This is just previews right now. Wait for the main act to kick in. Speaking of Myers, though, he looked really, really strong. Despite early foul trouble against the Kings, ended up with 14.5 of 11 shooting. And Eric Gunderson of the Columbian actually put out a fantastic article about Myers and showed all of the ways the Trailblazers are trying to get him the basketball They're actually running him off a lot of flare screens, similar to what we did with Wesley Matthews. Almost every three Wesley hit was off of a flare screen, and that's what we're trying to get for a seven-foot big. It's pretty similar to how Dallas used to use Dirk and how your pellys used your boy Ryan Anderson. When you get a seven-footer who can bring that other big out of the paint, that just leaves those driving lanes wide open for CJ, Dame, Minu, and I can't lie. I'm very excited about this offense. It's no more dump it into LaMarcus and just watch it. That as boring as hell to me, and I'm glad it's gone. They were moving.
0: I saw Damien just sprint. Like, I texted you a couple times. His endurance is crazy, because I saw him on Steph Curry.
1: Well, Damien hears the chatter. He hears everything that people say, the media, the fans, his haters. Great offensive player, can get buckets at any time. You're the worst defensive point guard in the game. He hears that nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. At the beginning of last year, we saw a little bit of progression in his game. Unfortunately, injuries took a toll on that Trailblazers team and forced him. He was really the last man standing. He played all 82 games, and he had to shoulder more of the burden on the offensive end. So his defense did take a toll. But now I think he's, he's the bona fide leader of this team. This is, this is his squad, and he wants to lead by example. And you can tell he is going out there and trying to silence his, his doubters once again. You know, he's done it all throughout his career. This, this shouldn't be any surprise to anybody who's followed Lillard's career. And, you know, that's the beauty of Damian Lillard. He finds ways to help his team. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a terrible shooting night for him. He'll, he'll be the first to admit it. He was 3 of 18. But what does he do? He doesn't stop attacking. He doesn't let Curry off the hook. He gets to the line 17 times, converts 15 of those, And that's what elite offensive players do. That's what the James Hardens of the world do. They're not always going to have efficient shooting night. They find ways to get to the free throw line, slow the game down, and just continue to pile on the point.
0: Dustin, what do you think about our third point guard?
1: Whoever watched the broadcast tonight, looked at the the box score and, you know, Tim Frazier, 19 minutes, Phil pressy none. Does that mean Frazier has it on lockdown? To the people who have seen just the two preseason games, it would be apparent that that's the case. But we don't get to see the practices. Mike and Mike mentioned that Phil Pressey will get his turn Saturday night in Sacramento. Apparently they didn't like what they saw Monday when we played the Kings at home in our opener when we had uh, Frazier and Pressey splitting time. And, you know, I completely agree with that with Stotts. They're both point guards. Neither of them can play off the ball. It doesn't do any of them any good to play together. So I really like this strategy by Stott. It gives each player a chance to run the show. And Phil Pressy has got his back against the wall because that's two pretty good games from Frazier. And in the opener, we saw him go, you know, three or four from downtown, and tonight he was a pest on defense. He gave Curry all he could handle, you know, stripped him, and he just didn't make life easy for him. And that's really one of the first times I've seen somebody play decent defense on Curry. You know, and that's saying something. This guy's the best offensive player in basketball.
0: You can see Harry being, hey, Tim, make this guy's life miserable for five minutes. These two games proved that he could do that. I didn't like what I saw from Phil doing all those jump passes. I counted like three jump passes in the Kings game. You and I know that that is turnover city.
1: Outside of not grabbing a defensive rebound, a jump pass might be my biggest NBA pet peeve. And he definitely didn't have a good game. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it. And unfortunately for Blazer fans, he's going to get his chance on the road. And as we know, the road games aren't televised. So we're only going to have to go on secondhand reports, box scores. So we really can't make a valid opinion on the on the situation. If I had to guess, I think Frazier's going to get the spot. He's played fantastic so far. We We both love his defense. And he's already ingrained in that culture whether people want to admit it or not being buddy buddy with dame like legit buddy like i don't think he's doing this to try to get a spot by any means like legit friends with with lillard and McCollum, they're hanging out all summer that that has to help a young locker room
0: and i mean when fraser dunked it that's true friendship right there damien was the first one clapping i didn't i didn't really like the him dunking it when alan crabb was running to the hoop but
1: Tim <laughs> and you're the third string point guard, you've got to eat a little bit, too.
0: I just think of it as, like, if I'm controlling this person, I would have passed it.
1: I know you like to think everything is relatable to 2K, but what's really amazing to me is Portland has look, made the offense look effortless. They dropped 105 points on the Kings, and not many of those points came in overtime. And they dropped 118 on the Warriors. In fact, they put up 77 in the first half. That is the most points the Warriors allowed in a half all season last year. That's incredible to me. What's even more remarkable is we're doing it without a legitimate back to the basket player. I can only count a couple of times we scored with our back to the basket, and it's not like we're just unconscious from three. We're moving the ball well, there's little to none isolation, and we're just getting good shots for one another.
0: It's really selfless too. It is. They're you playing pass up good shots great for great shots.
1: Exactly. And I think, you know, kudos to Coach Doss for getting this team to buy in. One thing that could have gone wrong for a team that as an individual, you know, one through six team, they're all looking to prove themselves, mm-hmm. to make a name for themselves in this league. They could go out there with just a, a me, me, me mentality and try to get some notoriety out of it. But they're not. They're playing for one another. They're playing for the team, the city. Early on, it looks great. Another major storyline C.J. McCollum. How is he going to play as a backup point guard? Neil O'Shea was very adamant during the the summer press conference that he envisions him playing a lot of backup one. The Blazers were up 23-7 in total, so he was a plus 16 as a backup one. I thought he made a lot of good decisions. He's just so lethal with the ball in his hands that the defense has to respect him. So once his passing catches up like it did tonight, I definitely can envision him playing backup minutes.
0: Hey, I didn't see him make any like egregiously wrong plays. There was a few things. No, there,
1: there was no stepping out of bounds. Yeah, there yeah. was you know Jared Bayless jump passes. There was none of that. He played a solid game.
0: I think if he plays thirty minutes a game, fifteen is gonna be to tell David.
1: We're excited, Rip City. You know, after a, a rough, rough outing. He went two of eleven against the Kings. You know, Mike Rice, who gets to watch every practice, said that's the worst shooting he's seen from McCollum all training camp. I believe it. You know, CJ is one of the best shooters on this team. And every shot he was missing, it was literally in and out. Shooters have those nights, but you got to love how he responded. You know, he was seven of 13, got to the line six times. You would like to see him make more than four, that's 67%, uh, as good of a shooter as he is. He knows he needs to be better at the free throw line, just needs to relax. That'll come with time. But a big story I thought was Pat Connaughton. I thought he played pretty awful in the opener, you know, to not to sugarcoat it. One of seven shooting, kind of had a deer in the headlights, didn't know what he wanted to do. But again, He's a second-round pick. It's his first time putting an NBA uniform on. And it wasn't even a regular season game, but it's the jitters had to have been there. The way he was just extending on his jump shot from three, you know, he went two of three from distance. His shot looked pure. It looked like exactly like he was back at Notre Dame.
0: And I saw him pass up good shots for great shots. It's
1: I think beautiful. it's one of those instances where you know if you pass it to somebody, it's not necessarily like, oh, God, I'm not getting the ball back. It's like if I move around, I might get the ball back. It's like I scratch your back, you scratch mine. And we're seeing this only two preseason games in, that is a fantastic sign. And, you know, it's something that we have talked about on this podcast. Don't sleep on this team. We're not saying they're going to make the playoffs. But that 26 over-under was was garbage. I think this team is easily 35-plus. They are going to have a tough time finishing games. The youth in them will allow them to start quick. But as we saw when the Warriors turned it up a little bit in that third quarter, the league got down to four. Portland, they they were sloppy. Let's be honest. They were sloppy. They took a lot of bad shots. I think that's going to happen. They're going to run off of emotion and adrenaline for the first half of some games. And it's going to be even more difficult on the road for a young team. So let's not get too excited. There's re- reason for optimism in Rip City right now.
0: How about those small forwards?
1: I was just going to bring that up on the Holy Backboard account. If you're not following it, it's at Holy Backboard, so please do.
0: And what is your Twitter account?
1: I am at haws 22 You, my friend...
0: All right, the Sage. Is it the Sage 504 or the Sage? I have no idea.
1: You don't even know. Okay, no more plugs for your Twitter handle. No, you I know.
0: just wanted yours because you're a good Twitter follow. I am not.
1: Appreciate the kudos. But back to our small forwards, you know, we did the position breakdown just last week. And even coming into the season, I was like, this is definitely our weakest position. We had Aminu, we had Harkless, we had Crab. We didn't really know what we were going to get. We had been so used to Batum and Durrell, Wright. While underwhelming at times, you still knew what you were going to get. But right now, it's a strength. Harkless, unfortunately, didn't get to play this game due to a concussion, which we really hope is minor, and he's able to return shortly. But he looked every bit the lottery pick that he was supposed to be. In the opener, you've got Aminu, who only played in the Warriors game, but I thought he came out really strong, crashed the offensive glass, and he showed a better handle than... uh, I think you gave him credit for.
0: It has improved. There were still some jump passes. There were still there some bone layups. There. So he has room to improve. But he definitely looked better. And props to him for having his first child.
1: Missing the layup. That's cool. It's preseason. But that's going to happen. I, I still thought he brings an added dimension uh defensively. He can go the three and the four. And then, you know, we got Alan Crab. So it's like there's a plethora of options for... Terry Stotts and at this point you just hope there's enough minutes to go around and at the beginning of the season yes I know it is the legitimate beginning of the season I guess in the summer who would have thought but that's the beauty of NBA basketball it's not played on 2k it's not played on paper they have to actually go out there and lace them up and we're seeing it
0: Harkless, he impressed me. You know, it was some bad passes, but... Yeah, I was. Uh, I actually got tickets to that
1: game, and I was sitting pretty close uh, on the Blazers' side offensively for the first half, and when he got in the game, you could tell he was really excited. Like, mm. this is my chance. i finally getting to play basketball again after riding the pine in Orlando. In those first you know, three possessions, I think he got bailed out on a charge call, and he was just kind of putting his head down, dribbling, not really sure what his next decision was going to be, but... He finally took a deep breath, he calmed down, and he made plays happen. He was great in the passing lanes. And like these Trailblazers, if they can hit open threes, that's just going to open things up immensely for this whole team. While Mo Harkless is probably a lot of fans' early man crushes... No way, not for me. I need to talk about mine, because I'm crushing hard for Ed Davis right now. Oh,
0: okay, we're samezies right now.
1: I saw him in person at the Fan Fest. And in Monday's game, he is long. He is much bigger than, than I thought. He is a beast. He rebounds everything in sight. And I, I think what I love the most about him is you get those bigs sometimes who when you pass the ball to him in situations, Marcus Camby was really bad at this. He would just throw the ball up. It's like, no, pass it out. If it's not there, Ed Davis will get the rebound. He'll pass it out. He doesn't do anything that his skill set says you shouldn't be doing. He rebounds. His blocks are
0: fantastic. Let's pause it. someone's phone is ringing. It's mine. You popular guy, you. It's just mom. Does she listen to the show?
1: Mom listens to the Holy Backboard, yes.
0: All right. My mom does, too. I have to send her a link every week. She listens.
1: Oh, I have to to send a link, too. I have to tell my mom before each game, Mom, Blazers are on. You know, the things we do for our moms, but, you know, Ed Davis... The stat line's not going to wow you. Monday, five points on five shots, six boards a block. Tonight, six points, again, five shots, nine rebounds and a block in 20 minutes. I mean, that, that's nice, but it's not going to wow you. But his presence there, he gives the Trailblazers a nice defensive mm-hmm. presence inside that I don't think we've had in a while.
0: Who knew he had that hook shot? I saw it in both games where he did his little spin move and then did his hook shot.
1: I think it's the new Rolo spin move. Like it just kind come, of comes like you just it just happens. Yeah. But speaking of hook shots, Mason Plumley needs to knock that stuff off. I do not want to see another hook shot from Mason Plumley. I mean that, that's just I can't. It, it, he made it once, but he's got it sent back to him a couple times. A few other times it just didn't come close. And I was actually going to come and talk on this podcast about how I've been a little disappointed in Plumley. Not like he shouldn't be starting or any of that, but just out of all the players, he was probably the most disappointing. And then I go. So, and I look and six points on three of four shooting, six rebounds, and three assists against the Kings. He follows that up with nine points on four of seven shooting and seven rebounds tonight against the Warriors. And like those are good numbers. So I think he's one of those players that he's not going to make it look pretty at all. But you go back and look at his line. Like that's getting the job done. I mean that's pretty much what we got out of Rolo last year.
0: Yeah, and his usage rate isn't gonna be high because he's not that involved in the offense. I've seen him affect a few plays. He was not the person that I was gonna be most worried about in the No, and it's
1: early too. Like
0: games and we are sipping I think we're sipping the Kool-Aid pretty tough.
1: I was the one who didn't want Lamarcus back. I thought this team would be just fine without him. Not that we'd win as many games, but we would be in a better future state without Lamarcus. She doesn't know I'm podcasting. Sorry, mom. I'll call you back. Mom, mom will be listening to this one, so you know, love you, mom.
0: I think we have to shout out our best fan right now, though.
1: Yes, big thank you to Kim Thrasher. She is a die-hard Rip City Blazer maniac. Everybody, go give her a follow on Twitter at Kim Thrasher 11. She is one of the the OGs. You know, she rides with this team and dies with this team, just like me and you. And she, you know, I am not. I
0: do not deserve to be in you sage you are
1: in a blazer podcast with me therefore you are ride or die by association
0: i've been ride or die for two years bro but you're
1: still a ride or die though
0: how i became a blazer fan was i went to a lot of blazer games with you and i caught rip city fever fair
1: enough fair enough but anyways thank you kim we love the support and keep shouting us out. Maybe something good will come your way. I'm really just at a loss right now. So, I, I can't. It just everybody looks good. It almost feels like it's too good to be true. And I know that's weird to say for preseason, but and we haven't seen them on the road yet. But I watched. I watched Fan I was there, and to be honest, I was worried. I was like, 26 wins looks about right. This team looks awful. And I, again, I, I know. I know it's an inner squad scrimmage. <laughs> I understand that. But nobody was making plays. Not even Dame. CJ was missing. Myers was missing. But again, it was just FanFest. And it's good to kind of put that into perspective because they came out gangbusters against the Kings. And really, they dominated a team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot really until they put in their training camp bodies. Then they come out against the defending champs who, they played their starters nearly as much. Curry and Clay played 25 and 24 minutes, respectively. Uh, They looked pretty locked in just by their shooting. They have a deep team, so far into the rotation as they go, they're going to bring quality. For God's sake, they got Iguodala and Sean Livingston, Jason Thompson coming off the bench, just an embarrassment of riches. And Portland, you know, they they went toe-to-toe with them.
0: I'm going to ambush you with a question. Okay. let's And we've been very positive about this team in these three podcasts. There's only 48 minutes in a game. Who is the one guy that is not going to hit his potential this year because of whatever reason? Who is that one guy?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. You know, when you really have to think about it, honestly, I might have to go back to Mason Plumlee. The way Ed Davis is playing, I actually like him on the floor with Myers a little bit more. Vonley looked fantastic Monday night. You know, I've been thinking, it's been since that run from 98 to 2000 when the Trailblazers just had that surplus of bigs that I haven't seen a collection of bigs this good since those days. not saying that Vonley and Mace and Myers and Chris, Ed, are on that level, but they're all young except for Cayman, and they really all haven't even come close to hitting their peak. And yet we haven't even seen Cliff Alexander, who's apparently just tearing the rim off the practice facility, who's out with a bone bruise. So I think just because he's not going to get enough playing time, I don't think Mace is really going to hit his his plateau. But it's also got me thinking, if everybody's looking good, this only plays in Neil Shea's favor because of what he did with the Clippers. He packaged Aminu, Kaven, Eric Gordon, Minnesota's for, first round pick, for Chris Paul. I'm not saying that's going to happen this year, but if this arc continues, I think Neal's in a great position, especially with... The friendly contracts this team has, the, the age range, the salary cap space. I could see the Blazers being a player for maybe a disgruntled superstar down the road. Any names you'd like to bring out? My goal is Cousins. I know people in Portland probably don't like him as much. But there's not a better center in the NBA bar none. And it was funny. I was at the game, and when Lillard and Cousins were both getting ready to check in, they were chopping it up pretty good. Uh, you know, Cousins gave him a pat on the butt a couple times during the game. Dame is a very attractive player to play with because he doesn't need Westbrook-type shots. He's very outgoing, and he's, he's a an natural-born leader. And I think Cousins and Lillard would be just a fantastic duo. But you never know. Um, it could be tomorrow another guy comes on the market. We That's the beauty of the NBA. You don't know. Coach Stops, he is actually in an enviable position. You know, but Coach Dots is going to have a lot of decisions to make. His biggest challenge will be not to play musical chairs with these guys like he did early in his career with Myers Leonard and Joel Freeland. He needs to pick a player and give him at least five to ten games in that rotation so he can get a rhythm and a confidence. And after those games, if he's not performing well, then you can make the switch. It does nobody any good if you're, oh, Crab starting this game, Aminu next game. Oh, let's throw in Harkless for 35 minutes tonight. There has to be set roles on this team, and if there's a couple criticisms of Coach Stotts, it is that in his early tenure with the Trailblazers, he has had a kind of dysfunctional rotation, or no rotation at all in terms of the younger players. Nobody knew their set defined role. So up next for the Trailblazers, they hit the road Saturday at Sacramento. Do they have payback on their mind? Do they play the the starters a little bit more? And then they've got Monday at Utah. And I've got Utah pegged as a playoff team. They beat the Lakers twice in Hawaii early in the preseason. They did lose Dante Exum, but I think Utah's a team to be reckoned with, man. I really do. It's going to be interesting to see how they match up because Gobert used to play such great defense on LaMarcus. if we can use Myers to uh, Myers or even Vonley to move him out of the paint, that'll leave a little more room to operate. So if Portland can hit that outside shot in the Salt Palace, they'll be all right.
0: I would love to be able to break down this stuff, but we don't know what these coaches are going to do. We can't really give you a preview of what's going to happen cuz we we both don't
1: know. No, and we won't know afterwards either because they're not on TV. I'll definitely be listening to Wheels and Tone, but again, some things you just have to see.
0: I cut this out of last week, and I'm going to keep it this week. The NBA needs to grow up. Individual teams need to grow up and broadcast all the games because you know, there's it's, fans it's really like us.
1: That age. It's 30 years after Back to the Future 2. We should have had freaking hoverboards by now. The least the NBA can do is provide us with coverage of all preseason games. It's the least they could do. Fans, on it, the popularity of the league mm-hmm. is is really at the highest it's been since Jordan's absence in '98. There's budding stars everywhere, especially in Portland. This market loves their Trailblazers. I don't understand why they're not on television, but that's what makes games like these all the more sweeters because they are on TV. So we got 20
0: days from opening night. I remember my grandfather said, "I wish the Blazers would play down in Southern Oregon." You I- no, I actually, I- I'm glad
1: you brought that up because I was thinking about that the other day. My first Blazer game ever was in the fall of 1990, and it was in Gill Coliseum, and it got me reminiscing about how fun that was to go to Gill Coliseum and watch my team play. I think every year they need to play one preseason game in the Memorial Coliseum, in Gill Coliseum, and like at Matt Knight Arena in Eugene, and also rotate Southern Oregon, Eastern Oregon. The Blazers have done a great marketing campaign lately, proclaiming the Trailblazers as Oregon's team, not just Portland's team. And I think these would be key steps into making that happen. Again, I'm sure they get a lot more revenue from games being played in Portland. Even though, Paul Allen, he's rich. I heard he
0: was the 17th richest man in the world, actually.
1: Yeah, he doesn't need the preseason cheese. You know, let, let's spread it around. Let's play some college arenas. I really one thing I love about preseason is just seeing the random courts that teams mm-hmm. play on. You know, the Lakers were in Hawaii, the Warriors played in San Jose. I think the the Cavs were at Xavier the other day. You know, yeah, I teams were in that.
0: China as well.
1: Yeah, like just move it around, like you said. Give those fans a chance. That to be fair, it's a long drive from Southern Oregon or Eastern Oregon to Portland. So, even if it's a preseason game, give your fans a chance to see your team play, man. Before we sign off, I, I can't believe this this left my mind. We haven't even seen Gerald Henderson play yet. True. I mean, so th- there's even more competition for, for minutes. Depth. I don't know what to even expect. I know he's a slasher. I know he, he can hit the open three. And what I mean by I don't know what to expect, I mean that in a positive way. Because I didn't know what to expect from parkless like that he came out of nowhere you know Von Leigh and Davis looked better than I had originally thought so the bar set pretty high in my eyes for for Henderson but I think that just gives Portland another weapon off the bench obviously we won't see him in the preseason as he's still rehabbing from that left hip injury but once Portland gets him in the regular season I think that's really going to help just like Chris Kamen will help mentor these guys letting them know hey yeah you may be eight and four out of the gate but basketball's played throughout the winter. You know, what they call the dog days of winter, and it lasts until the spring, so it's definitely a long season. So don't get too high. Don't get too low. You really have to be thrilled right now as a Blazer fan. Everybody's been saying worst team in the West might be worst team in the NBA, but these first two preseason games ha- have proven otherwise, and we can only hope they take some of this into the- this road trip that's coming up.
0: The rotation would be like the 2012 team. I'm realizing that we got some players on this team. Neal should be applauded for how he put together this team. And I know ESPN says it sometimes, but he did a fantastic job putting this team together.
1: Oh, he really did. You almost wonder how conversations go down with Neil and other GMs. Does he call up Orlando's GM? And be like, "Hey, Mo Harkless available." Like, yeah, you know, you can have him. It's like, okay, okay, we'll give you a, a second-round pick, protected fifty-five to sixty, which likely will never happen. How does that go down? How does he find? Mason Plumlee in the draft for you know the 23rd pick, Collis Jefferson, who we both loved, but you know Plumlee is definitely a good get. He's a great builder of relationships. But one of the main reasons I believe we were able to sign Ed Davis and um, Al Farouk Aminu and he knows what teams are desperate. Charlotte was a desperate team with a desperate owner looking to make the playoffs and I'll be the first to admit I was never a huge Nick Batum fan but I think we straight fleeced the Hornets on that deal. I can't believe they gave us Von Lay and Henderson. When I first saw that trade pop up on my Twitter feed, I was like, this has got to be hoax!" because we were able to get the ninth overall pick from the previous year, plus a veteran who puts up similar numbers to Batum. Good on you, Olshay, and honestly, it's early. I wouldn't be surprised if he still has more up his sleeve. Well, we,
0: we haven't hit the salary cap minimum yet. Nope,
1: there's still plenty of cap space. You know, I think with so many players, there might be the chance, if they all keep performing well, to move a couple of those and consolidate into a nicer chip. Only time will tell. A little too early to start thinking about trades. Those are our thoughts after two games. Blazers are one and one coming off a big win against the defending champion Warriors. They head into the the first preseason road trip of the season on Saturday. You can hear both games on six twenty A. M. Wheels and Tone will have that with you. Again, those games are Saturday night in Sacramento. Monday night in utah you can also hear this podcast on stitcher and soundcloud at holy backboard pdx for all our listeners out there who want to send us questions to be answered on the air you can tweet us at holy backboard or send us an email at holy backboard pdx at gmail.com sage i think that about wraps it up for this episode i had a blast or to our next episode you know safe travels matt but this is you know this is the new flow yeah. He's gonna have to be one of the kids now. The so. kids are running the show. Alright, Sage. Until next time. Rip City, baby.
0: Good night. Everyone.